Greetings, Blind Faith Podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Blind Faith Podcast, and I'm your host, Reverend Craig C. Edgley Jr., and today's title is Do It for the Cloud. Do It for the Cloud. Today's message is going to come out of the first book of Kings, the 18th chapter, And our lesson will kind of be over its entirety. With that being said, I want to jump in and kind of give an introduction. So if we go down to about the uh, 13th or 14th verse, when we get deep into this text, we start to see that uh, Elijah has been hiding out uh, from King Ahab and King Jezebel. And he's been hiding out in fear of uh, for his life. Ahab and Jezebel have vowed to kill the prophets of God. They succeeded in killing most of them. And so, but out of fear for his life and fear for his safety, Elijah hid in a cave near a brook. And the Lord fed him meat that was hand-delivered by a raven and he made sure that he had enough water to drink. And so uh, while the rest of the land was experiencing drought, Elijah was provided for it and taken care of by God. As we get into this 18th chapter, the brook that God was using to give Elijah water dries up. And God encourages his prophet that it's time to get back to work. And he sends his prophet back to go and have an interaction with King Ahab and Jezebel. Even knowing that that his life would be endangered, Elijah trusted God enough to to, to make that vow and to take that stance that whatever happens, I put my life in God's hands. So he goes back to have this interaction with Ahab and and with Jezebel, and he he, he sends a message by one of their servants to, to, to invite them to have a discussion on top of Mount Carmel. And so in this chapter, we see this discussion and this discourse taken out and unfolding. And what I want to jump right to is the scripture that says, why are you troubling the nation of Israel? Ahab asked Elijah, why are you troubling our nation? Why are you troubling my people, why are you troubling us? And, and, and that's very a very interesting question. Um, a question that's, that's not only relevant and has not only been relevant back in those times, but has been relevant in every stage of life uh, from the beginning of creation, even to this very present day. Um, there has always been a battle between church and state and, and, and this concept of what is right and what is wrong 
there's always been a battle between what we would consider to be theocracy versus what others would consider to be uh, uh, democracy. And so what takes precedence? Is it theocracy? Is it a, a nation that is to be governed by God? Or is it democracy, a nation that is to be governed by man? And, and, and this has been an ongoing struggle and an ongoing battle throughout the archives of time. And so uh, people that stand out to me as these troublemakers, because Ahab says, Elijah, why are you making all this trouble? People who stand out to me as troublemakers, one of them is St. Paul. He was a Christian convert from the Asia Minor region. And, and, and at first he was so anti-Christ, it was unreal. But then he had an encounter with Christ and, and, and on Damascus Road, and, and he discovered that Christ is the true and the living God. He discovered that Christ is real and that he could not live without Christ. And so he starts this evangelical mission going around to all of the different provinces in Asia Minor, evangelizing and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the Roman government, once they got wind of, of, of his widespread evangelism, declared that he is a troublemaker. And, and, and they treated him as such. They, they, they persecuted him, they beat him, they flogged him, they whipped him, they, uh, uh, they, they made so many harsh threats to kill him, and eventually they did kill him. But, but they persecuted him because they deemed that anybody spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, anybody advancing the message of, of Christianity and, and trying to take the kingdom of God to the people was a troublemaker. And then we can look at people like Father Miguel Hidalgo y Castillo. He was uh, one of the individuals responsible for the Mexican independence. He was a, a Catholic priest in the region of Dolores. And, 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 and Spain was... was really, really putting the, the, the Mexican people through oppression. Um, and, and so they were treating them harshly. They, they were, were, were being unfair to them. They were unjust. They were cruel. They, uh, the, the Spanish rule was, was, was just weighing down on the Mexican people. And, and, and Father Miguel de Hidalgo y Castillo decided that he was going to mount up in his pulpit one day and give what they call the Rito de Dolores, a, a, a cry for independence. And, 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 and full of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, he said, enough is enough. I know that there's supposed to be a separation of church and state, but, but if we don't, if the people of God don't stand up and, 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 and take a, 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 a radical approach towards the systematic tyranny of government, at some point, then we'll always be oppressed. We'll always be uh, uh, silent. The kingdom will never, the kingdom of God will, will, will remain dormant and it won't be advanced because the government oftentimes wants to silence the church. It's evident 
in, 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 in their attempts to take prayer out of school. It's evident in their attempts to take the Bibles uh, uh, from off of display in front of the courthouses. It's evident in, in their attempts to take uh, Christmas and, and things that represent uh, Christian values out of, of, the, of the holiday celebrations and, and people say happy holidays. Uh, and, and, and so they, they take Christ out of everything. And so the government is on attack mode. They're constantly on attack mode to silence the Christian church, to silence the kingdom of God. And if we don't stand up like Father Miguel Hidalgo y Castillo, then who's going to stand up? Even if it means they view us as a conspirator, even if it means they view us as troublemakers. Look at Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. <clears throat> he was harassed by the FBI. He was harassed by white terrorists. He was harassed on, on every hand and in every front and, and, and oppressed on every side. And yet he stood up for equality. He stood up for justice. He stood up for equity and, 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 and he stood up for God. And I'm pretty sure that most of uh, um, the people in that time viewed him as a troublemaker. You stirring up all this trouble. I'll even go further to say Mother Teresa, a Catholic nun and missionary, baptizing people who were on their deathbeds and, and, and speaking uh, to people who, who others deemed as too sinful and, and, and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ in the region where she lived. And, and folks said that troublemaker, that troubler of her time. And, and so it's not surprising to me because the same tactics has been happening throughout the course of our history. We see that anybody who stands up for God, anybody who stands up for Christ and stands against government in order to, uh, to, to be civilly disobedient, in order to be obedient to the word of God, is deemed as a troublemaker. But if being civilly disobedient in order to be obedient to the word of God gives me the label a troublemaker, then I guess... I'll be a troublemaker. And I would hope that those of you who are listening to me would be encouraged to be troublemakers as well. Be a troublemaker on your job. Be a troublemaker in your community. Be a troublemaker in your house. Be a troublemaker in your church. Be a troublemaker any time that you need to be civilly disobedient in order to be obedient to the word and to the will of God. Then you got to stand up and be a troublemaker. Because what the government and what others view as being a troubler, God views as being a, a, a stand-up, steadfast believer in Christ. So the next question that stands out to me with this passage of Scripture is why has the nation decided that they will disobey God 
Why has the nation decided that they will abandon God? What's the explanation? Why has the nation decided that they will vilify those who stand for God? There has to be an explanation. So what stands out in this passage of scripture, because it's dealing with the balls, uh, the, 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 the false gods, the fake gods of that time, and the Ashurites, the, the, the other fake goddesses of that time. And so one of the things that stands out is that there are things that we do in our lives, in our everyday lives, that are dishonorable to God. There are things that, that we've been doing in our lives that are dishonorable to God. There are things that we've been doing that God despises. There are thing, things that we've been doing that, that if God was standing in our presence and, 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 and standing right beside us and speaking directly to us, we probably would have made a different decision. If we, could, if we could hear his thundering voice the way that Moses heard his thundering voice on the top of that mountain, if we could hear his thundering voice the way that, 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 that John heard his thundering voice out on the Isle of Patmos, if we could hear his voice sounding like the fierce waves of the roaring sea, if we could hear his voice sounding like the raging thunder falling from the sky, if we could hear his voice we wouldn't be engaging in such activities. And, and, and not only are we engaging in certain activities, but we've begun to do them ritualistically. We, we have begun to, to, to routinely and ceremoniously engage in things that are dishonorable to God. And whenever we get so caught up in these things that are dishonorable to God. Whenever we begin to ceremoniously and religiously walk down the path of evil, we shut God out. We have to. It's cause and effect. If we live lives that dishonor God, that if we want to continue to live lives that dishonor God, that, that, that disobedient to God, that, that stray from God's will and from God's way, we have to shut God out. We have to shut the voice of God out of our heads so that we can do what we want to do, so that we can go where we want to go, so that we can uh, take whatever we want to take, so that we can drink what we want to drink, so that we can engage in whatever activities we want to engage in. We have to effectively shut God out of our hearts, out of our minds. And I believe that that is what the people in this day have done. And that is what the people in our day are still doing now. Not everybody. But the folk who have decided to follow the Baals and the Asherahs 
are folk who, who have religiously and routinely decided that they are going to do whatever, whatever the hell they want to do. Forget about God. Don't listen to God. But do whatever you want to do and everybody will do whatever is right in their own eyes. This type of, 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 of attitude, this type of, of mindset is just like the cultic mindset that they had in, with the cults of Baal and the cults of Ashura. Uh, this, this type of cultic uh, idol, idolatry is, is just, just like the balls. As a matter of fact, they would give different names to the balls of, of, of that time because whatever you wanted the ball to represent, that's what you made your God. If you wanted to engage in sexual immorality, then you would say, oh, my, my God is, is the ball of, of sexual immorality. If you wanted to engage in, in stealing, then you would say, oh, don't worry about it. I don't worship the God of Israel. I worship the God of stealing. If you wanted to worship the God of sex, you say, oh, don't, don't, I don't worship the God of, of, of Israel. I'm going to turn to the ball of, of sex because that's whatever you want to do. And then you begin, you, you, you make an idol out of, 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 of these things that you desire and you completely shut God out. And so God has sent a drought. Newsflash, God is in control of the rain. So many rappers and so many R&B singers, so many superstars have these songs about make it rain. And I know that the context of their songs is, is, is horrible, but at the same time, think about it. They say we make it rain. In the strip clubs, the girls say they make it rain. In the White House, Trump say he make it rain. In, in the school system, the, 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 the school board and, and, the, and the, the administration say they make it rain. But at the end of the day, if the truth be told, no matter where we are, no matter who we are, no matter what we are, the only God who can make it rain and really make it rain in our lives is the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, the only true and living God, Jehovah. He's the only God that can make it rain. And, and, and so how long, Elijah asked the question, will we waver in between these two beliefs? And that's a good question. Because you have some people that are uh, present on top of Mount Carmel that are watching uh, the prophets of Baal face off against the prophet of God and, 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 and they're on the fence. They're willing to go with whoever is the winner. But beloved, I hope to encourage you through this message that it's time out for waiting to see 
who's going to be riding high in April and shot down in May. It's time out for, for being on God when it's good and being off God when things get tough. It's time out for being half-hearted in your faith in God. It's time out for wavering in between these two different beliefs. It's either you're going to be all in for God or you might as well go ahead and be all in for Satan. But this ideology that we'll be all in for God when things go good and then all in for Satan when, when, when things start to go bad is ridiculous. And it's tiring and it's tedious. And eventually, it will bring you down to a fiery hill. We've got to stop wavering on the fence uh, waiting for God to, to bless us before we worship him. Waiting for God to show up and show out before we go to church. Waiting for God to, to, to tremendously do something spectacular in our lives before we pay our tithes, give an offering, or even lift up prayer, praise, and worship. How long will we waver on the fence and, and, and give God all of our hearts, souls, and minds when things are good and then turn from him as the second that things turn bad in our lives. We're wavering in between two different beliefs and God has declared that enough is enough. We can't keep doing the same thing over and over expecting different results. This is the definition of insanity. The idols are always going to fail. If you worship God, God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true God, he will never fail. But if you worship crack, crack will fail. If you worship dope, dope will fail. If you worship sex, sex will fail. If you worship money, money will fail. If you worship alcohol, alcohol will fail. If you worship uh, power, power will fail. If you worship love, love if it's not rooted in God, will fail. But if you worship God, yes, sometimes life gets difficult. Yes, sometimes life gets tough. Sometimes we have ups. Sometimes we have down. But in the end, if you worship God, God will never fail. He's the only thing in life that will never fail. By very definition, God's defined as he who will not fail. He who cannot fail. Because that's who he is. He's infallible. He cannot fail. And so that brings me, and I know that was kind of a long introduction, but that brings me to my three points. And, and, and it's the three points that I see Elijah making. As he gets up on top of Mount Carmel, the first thing that I notice that stands out to me is that Elijah begins to repair the altar of God. And so maybe they're in a drought and maybe we're in a pandemic. Maybe your storm that you're going through right now is financial. Maybe it's relational. Maybe, maybe, maybe your, your drought is in your marriage. Maybe your drought 
is, is trying to find relief from Corona. Maybe your drought is, is economical. Maybe whatever your drought may be, Elijah does three things. The first thing he does is he repairs the altar of God that had been torn down. And I want to encourage you believers to repair the altar of God in your life. Repair the altar of God in your church. Repair the altar of God. Everything starts with repairing the altar of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto us. First, we got to get it back right with God. We got to repair the altar of God in our hearts, in our minds, in our churches, in our homes, on our jobs. Let's rebuild the altar of God. That place that symbolizes that God is present with us and we are present with God. That place that symbolizes that God is the leader, the founder and the establisher of everything that we are and everything that we do. And if we repair the altar of God, the, 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 the place that is symbolic of the presence of God, then we're headed in the right direction. We're on our way back to recovery from a pandemic. We're on our way back to recovery from, from financial and economical hardships. We're on our way back to recovery from relation heart, relationship and relational hardships. We're on our way back from this pandemic. But first, we got to repair the altar of God. We, we need to repair that place in our heart where, where we become true worshipers of God. That place where, where, where we can dwell with God and God can dwell with us. We need to repair the altar of God. And then not only does he repair the altar of God, but then he prepares a sacrifice. And so when we repair the altar of God in our hearts, then we need to prepare a sacrifice for God. What is it in your life that you're willing to sacrifice so that God can be great in your life again, so that God can show up and show out? Are you willing to sacrifice those things that you, that you worshiped? Are you willing to sacrifice your pride? Are you willing to, are you willing to sacrifice those things in your lives that dishonor God. In order for us to get back to God, we've got to sacrifice those things in our lives that dishonor God. We've got to sacrifice those things in our lives that are not pleasing to God. And if we make a sacrificial offering, not only do we need to sacrifice those things that are dishonorable to God, but then we need to give up some something of substance to us. Yeah, something in you needs to die a little bit. Uh, because if we come back to God and we're still lifted up in ourself and we're not lifted up uh, and we're not lifting up God, then, then we're still on the same road, back down the same path, uh, back towards the drought, back towards the pandemics, back towards the disaster and destruction. But something needs to die on the inside of us so that the spirit of God can begin to live on the inside of us. And so if it means that I've got to sacrifice a little bit, of who I am, of what I'm accustomed to, in order that the Spirit of God might live and dwell within me, then I got to let go 
of whatever it is that is hindering me from being the worshiper of God that he's called me to be. And then after Elijah prepares the sacrifice, then he begins to pray. We need to get back to prayer. If there's any hope for us to get out of the pandemic, if there's any hope for us to, to, to get out of the droughts and the various uh, the situations that we see in our lives that, that, that are a result of our disobedience to God, we need to get back to prayer. We need to communicate with God. And we need to pray the things that God has already declared and decreed in his word. You, you see, the uh, old preacher tells a story saying that um, he had his daughter would always call him on his word. His daughter would oftentimes recall the instances in, in, when he gave her a promise and she would never let it down. I see that a lot with my daughters. When you promise them something, they don't forget it. They'll remind you of that promise days and weeks and months and years down the road. And, and, and when we pray, we need to get back to the scripture. We need to pray the scripture. We need to pray the word of God because when we pray for what we want, then we treat God as if he's some kind of a genie that will do our will. But when we begin to pray the will of God, I like how Elijah bows his head and he begins to say, God, you are the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In essence, what he's saying is, God, you walked with my granddaddy and my great-granddaddy. And my great, great granddaddy, Lord, you walk with my ancestors. You brought us from a mighty, mighty long way. You've been with us through the storm and you've been with us through the rain. You have been with us in the ups and the downs. I've seen you work a miracle before. And so I'm coming, not asking for you to do something that you haven't already said you would do. But praying the word of God, Elijah stands on that word of God. And when you pray the word of God, you can stand on the word of God. But when you pray your own will, then you can't really expect God to move on that because that's not his will. But when you seek the will of God, when you pray for the will of God, you not only does your prayer uh, reach the ears of God, but your prayer has power. And you can stand on that prayer. And, and, and so the situation happens where Elijah faces off against the prophets of Baal. And, and Baal is supposed to be this God who can make the uh, uh, fire. Baal is supposed to be this God of, of fertility. Remember I said Baal is, a, is whatever kind of God they wanted him to be. And so they were slashing themselves and doing all this cultic worship of Baal. And, and, and nothing happened to their altar. They, they prepared an altar, Elijah prepared an altar, and, and nothing happened to their altar. But when Elijah began to call on the name of God, the true God, God set Elijah's altar on fire. And what was so significant about God setting Elijah's altar on fire is that Elijah soaked his altar in water and built a trench around his altar to, to, to store up even more water and God set everything on fire. 
We know that water and fire don't mix. But to prove that God is the one and the true God, Elijah even set his altar, he soaked his altar with water. Beloved, when God set the altar on fire, Elijah began to hear from God. In the midst of a drought, Elijah began to hear the rain. He repaired the altar of God. He was obedient to the will of God and prepared a sacrifice. And then he called on the name of God. And when the people of God turned from their wicked ways and sought God's face, Elijah began to hear the rain. Can you hear the rain? In the midst of a pandemic, can you, can you see that the pandemic is going to end? Can you hear the rain? Maybe you need to hear some relationship rain. Maybe you need to hear some economic rain. Maybe you need to hear some corona relief rain. Well, when you repair the altar of God, and when you prepare the obedient sacrifice, and, and when you pray and call on the name of God, you begin to hear the relief. You begin to hear the rain the way that Elijah began to hear the rain. And when Elijah heard the rain, he went over to a place of solitude and he kept on praying. As a matter of fact, he, he had to get out there by himself, crouch down and, and put his head down. And, and he said, Lord, I hear the rain. And, and we don't know exactly what he prayed, but we know that when he began to hear the rain, <laughs> he started praying harder. And, and so I want to encourage you that when we repair the altar of God in our hearts, when we prepare these sacrifices and when we start praying and when you hear God saying, this pandemic won't last always. When you hear God saying, I'm getting ready to fix your relationship. When you hear God saying, I'm getting ready to do something in your life that you've been asking me to do. Don't stop praying, but do like Elijah. Find a place of solitude, crouch down, face down, and start praying harder. Which brings us to the title of this message. Do it for the cloud. Maybe you've been going through a storm. Maybe you've been going through a hard time. Maybe you've been facing this pandemic and you're wondering when is it going to end. But keep praying. Keep believing. Keep being obedient to the will of God. And keep looking. There's a cloud on the horizon. I know it may look like a drought in your life right now. But if you put your hands in the hands of Christ Jesus, if you put your hands in the hands of the man who, 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 who calmed the raging seas, the one who walked on the water, the one who healed blind eyes, the one who uh, unstopped deaf ears, the one who put strength in the legs of those who were lame, the ones who opened the mouths of those who were mute. If you put your hands in the hands of Jesus, I'm talking about Jesus, the one who went all the way to Calvary and gave his life that we, in him, 
we might have eternal life if you believe in him, if you put your faith in him, if you just trust him, if you keep on praying and keep on believing, he'll pour out his spirit upon you. He'll give you the power. And if you keep on praying, you'll see a cloud. There is a cloud in your distance. Just keep looking for it. Just keep looking up to Jesus. Keep your eyes looking up towards the hills from with cometh your help. There is a cloud on the horizon, beloved, but you got to keep the faith. Don't give up on God now. I know this corona don't seem like it's ever going to end, but we can't give up on God now. I know your finances don't seem like there's ever going to be deliverance, but we can't give up on God now because we've come too far. We've seen him burn up the sacrifice uh, uh, for Elijah. We, we've seen him walking with Paul. We, we've seen him walking with Mother Teresa. We've seen him walking with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We've seen him walking with Father Miguel Hidalgo. We've seen him, and we've seen him in our lives so many times. Do it for the cloud, beloved, because your cloud is on the way. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you as my prayer. Button. Zero, six. Add flag. Stop recording. Button. 